back in for the first Baseball Leap podcast of October, which also means it's the final Baseball Elite podcast of the 2021 fantasy baseball season. So good and bad. I don't know. The postseason starts. That's exciting. But unfortunately, Ray Flowers, the fantasy baseball season's kind of over. So now we get to sit around, maybe recharge the batteries for like two weeks, and then we want to play again. But I guess we'll have to sit and wait five months before we can play again. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, that's not how we actually handle it here, right? Like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I always make a big deal of I'm taking October off and I'm starting on November 1st. And while that'll be more true than not, I was already working on the outline for next year last week. Ah, so, you can't quit that yeah, many flowers. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no rest of the weird, I guess they say, Kyle. Yeah, well, uh, all of us hopefully ended the season on on an upswing. Um, I made a charge in my home league and finished in sixth out of 15. Uh, it was a little rough about a month ago. I was sitting in 11th, so I was happy to make a charge. Um, in a serious XM Celebrity League, I actually was first place from about May onwards. Got a title there. Um, and in the serious XM Host League, Ray, uh, you and I were neck and neck down the stretch, just for the record. You, you emerged. Yeah, I, I managed mm-hmm. to hold off Ray Flowers. at the. Neither of us did what I would term very well. I think I was sixth and you were seventh. Yep. Uh, both of us had a shot at fifth, but we came up short. Howard Bender ended up winning that league. Uh, but really, all I care about, Ray, is holding off you and Jeff Manns. Yeah, and you did. So congratulations to you. Um, you, you know, I mean... It's so funny. I can tell that's all you can say, Ray. You don't even know where to, you know, congratulations, Kyle. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah, Let's talk about something more about me. No, I just, I was going to say something, but it's like, (laughs) you know, injuries and and that's just a running theme. Everyone's dealt with injuries. So like making an excuse, you would have won if the injury, you know, everyone can say that. I'm sure you could too. I I didn't have Mike Trout in that league. So I I had a pretty big injury. (laughs) I actually started to do a lot better in that league once trout just missed action oh that makes kind of weird yeah yeah yeah. yeah, kind of like ralphiel ortega was a big uh big addition Mm -hmm. for my team in that Mm -hmm. league we were talking last week on the podcast ray about your labor mix league uh you were going into the final seven days a neck and neck battle trying to win that title uh do tell how did it end up for you in 2021 in that league well before we even get there um I'll just say that Tout Wars, I ended up finishing half a point out of second. So even though I was in first or second for the last three months of the year, I finished in third there by half a point. That was kind of annoying. But in in labor, um, I was alone in first place with two days left. I was tied for first place with one day left. Uh Uh-oh. And in the end, I finished in third place. (sighs) You crumbled at the end, Ray? And amazingly, I was worried about my pitching. The pitching held strong. I had no, my, my pitching was the same place it was last week. I made a couple of moves. I, I inserted, we talked about, I had no saves. I put Chris Stratton in, he got a couple saves. Okay. So that one, well, the hitting is what let me down. And it's amazing that you can have a 15 team league and you can play, you know, six months of baseball and listen to this. So I, I finished with 101.5 points, which is the lowest point total I've had in three months, three and a half points out of first place, Jeff Erickson, congratulations. He won the league. Three and a half points out of first. I was three RBIs from gaining two points. I was two runs away from gaining a point. I was a steal away from half a point. And I was two homers away from a point. Oh, man. So I gained four and a half points, which <laughs> wins me the championship. If I have three RBIs, two runs, a steal, and two home runs. Not this week. Over the course of the entire season. <laughs> Four and a half points. <laughs> Four and a half points based on seven RBIs, runs, steals, and home runs over the course of the entire season. You could have gotten like an extra two home runs anywhere over the season, and you probably gained like three and a half. You wouldn't have gotten that stolen base, but like right. literally you just hit a couple of home runs. Yep. Like, and I'm sure you had balls land at the track, you know. <laughs> are, are balls robbed at the wall where the outfielder leaped and, and managed to snag the ball from leaving the yard? And Ray, that caused you to lose a labor title. What really caused me to lose, I think, was Ronald Acuna playing half the season. That, you know, you got the Mike Trout thing there. I got the Acuna thing here. So when I said this before, I'm very proud of this team because I, I lost my first round pick and played half the season. And, you know, and I mentioned this on the last podcast. My lineup the last week, I had Phil Goslin. Lane Thomas, Brandon Marsh, like Matt Duffy. <laughs> Matt Duffy, by the way, was a star on my team. He had like mm. 350 for my team the last couple of weeks. But 
that's where we were at. And um, it, it, I mean, isn't that remarkable, Kyle? Seven yeah. single points cost me four and a half, cost me the league. It's just crazy. One, one big week from someone, like just one big week from one individual player could have won the league. Well, I was talking about that home league, Ray, where I kind of made a charge at the end just to finish in fifth. I, I, I fibbed just a bit. I actually ended up in a tie for six, but I told the guy I ended up in a tie with that the tiebreaker in our league um, is alphabetical order. Oh, it works. Um, and, and I think my team started with an L and his started with an S. So I get fifth place. That's how I decided it. Okay. okay. But in that league, Ray, you know, it's, it's a points league. And, you know, you talk about how th- we both ended up with 7,530 points. But yeah, <laughs> you know? how is that pot? That's, that's even crazier. That's we score 15 hitting categories and 15 pitching categories. So Ray, there's 30 things going into this and we finished at 7530 on the dot both of us. Yeah. So don't let anyone tell you that every decision you make isn't important because it and, and this is not if I would have made a different decision or you would have made a different decision in the 26th 7th oh, yeah. week of the, This is, you know, May 1st. Like one single move. It's just remarkable that you can play for that long a period of time and have it be so damn close. Well, and I would have finished in fourth ray. It was really tight in our league between like uh, fourth and eighth. I would have finished in fourth, and I remember this because it stuck with me all season. Um, I benched Marcus Stroman for a start in Cincinnati. Um, it was an afternoon start. We all know how you fear Great American Ballpark. You mm-hmm. fear Nick Castellanos, Winker, all these guys. So I benched Marcus Stroman, and he ended up going like eight innings, getting a win, scoring like 45 points. And, Ray, that that stuck with me all season. If I just had those 45 points, I would have finished in fourth, not fifth. <laughs> and, and I did the same thing. I, um, and I, I think I told you, I think. I'm not sure if I did. I, I benched Joey Gallo, who hit – um, was honestly, was he hitting 180 for my team? I played him for th- the first 35 games he played for the Yankees. Sitting 180, he was awful. He's striking out half his at bats. I benched him the week. In the week I benched him, he had five home runs. <laughs> so I can literally, and, 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 you know, that week also, Michael Brantley got put on the injured list hours after our lineups locked and he didn't play, he didn't get a single at bat all week. So I can, I can look at week 26 and point to my doom coming that week, Kyle. Yeah. Well, we've all got stories as we kind of recap the season, and we all have guys who maybe carried us to a title, maybe decisions that left us <laughs> reaching and missing on a title. But uh, no doubt it was a fun 2021. And as we get rolling on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast, our starting nine is mostly going to focus on everything that we just saw in 2021. Well, I look back at both hitting and pitching, the stars, the letdowns, Maybe some lessons learned. Let's give you the rundown, starting with the uh, top of the order. Uh, We'll go through the top 10 fantasy hitters in 2021 in the number two spot. Uh, We'll talk about the top three in each of the five by five hitting categories. In the three hole, the top 10 fantasy pitchers for 2021. Number four will be the pitching category leaders, wins and ERA and whip and strikeouts and saves, all of those. In the five hole, the biggest misses on draft day. This will be of the mostly non-injured variety, so a guy like Mike Trout won't be on here. In the sixth spot, Ray and I will provide some lessons learned. We will project the first round of 2022 in the seven hole, and then we'll do our usual at eight and nine. Random reference at eight, stamp of approval, at number nine, Ray, let's start with the leadoff hitter. We start with the best hitters in fantasy baseball. And we've done this a couple of times over the uh, summer and, and throughout the season where we all have different leagues. We all have different rankings. We all have different formats. So it's very tough to say these are the top 10 hitters. But for our purposes, I've always kept it with kind of a, um, you know, money earned courtesy of rasball.com. And as I've say all the time, I'm not claiming that's the best, but it's, it's the one I've used. I found it pretty specific to the needs I have. Maybe I use it all the time just because I usually agree with it. I don't know, but uh, they provide a very simple to ease and, and kind of, um, you know, collate and move around to see who did what and how they were performing. So we'll stick with them. And again, we'll base it off of uh, money earned in a five by five league. And Ray, just to run through it, uh, the top 10 fantasy hitters, uh, according to earnings over at Razzball, Vlad Guerrero, number one, uh, $42.40, Bo Bichette, number two, then Trey Turner, Shohei Atani, the hitter, Jose Ramirez, Fernando Tatis, Marcus Simeon, Sal Perez, Teoscar Hernandez, and Bryce Harper. Uh, so Ray, we'll kind of spend some time on this top 10, starting with the guy at number one. Um, it happened, man, did it happen. Vlad Guerrero Jr. After all the hype of three, four years, Ray uh, exploded and never stopped hitting this season. 
Uh, truly a remarkable run. I don't know if he'll win the AL MVP because of everything Otani did in the box and on the hump, but Vlad had a really strong, strong fantasy season. He did. The only thing he doesn't do is run, right? Four steals, but he really offset that obviously with the overall game. And he only missed one game this season, which I think is in this day and age, I mean, playing 161 games is important to sit in 48 home runs. I mean, no one plays. So knowing that you were able to put him in the lineup and he played every day and you never had to worry about it. And you got all of his production, you know, meant something um, fantastic season uh, all around, uh, you know, 300, 400, 600 slash line is hall of fame worthy. We'll see what the follow-up is now. Um, you know, you can, you can look at his performance and I have, and others have too, and he improved his fly ball rate. So he's league average there now, but uh, league average fly ball rate doesn't usually lead you to pushing for 50 home runs. I know he hits the ball extremely hard, but that is something to think about moving forward. Well, that would be the argument, Ray. If you're average here, you better be really good in something else. So like you said, he hits the ball hard. He's really good there. So maybe that can make up a bit of that differential. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the dude hit 48 home runs. Nobody in baseball hit more than Vlad Guerrero. He did it in three different home ballparks, too, which is <laughs> kind of fascinating. Uh, down in Dunedin, in Buffalo, and then at the end of the season in Toronto. You talked about the games played, Ray. And I was just looking, we had seven guys in all of baseball play at least 160 games. Um, I'm looking at this list and four of those seven ended up with top 10 fantasy baseball seasons as hitters. Vlad was one, Marcus Simeon, Sal Perez played 161 games, which is mind blowing. And I know he wasn't a catcher in all of them. I don't care. 161 games for a guy who caught 75% of the times is, is out of this world. Um, the other guy, Ray, was Bo Bichette, and Bo Bichette actually finished second um, in overall value, 41.8, just a smidge ahead of Trey Turner. Uh, both those guys were just huge for infield, and it's kind of remarkable. The top three guys, and even further than that, if you want to look at the top eight guys, seven of the top eight guys as hitters this year, Ray, were infielders with Vlad, Bichette, Turner, Ramirez, Tatis, and Simeon, and I'll throw in Perez all infielders this year for the top fantasy hitters. Yeah. And that's usually, you know, we, we used to, especially when we started you and I year, decades ago in the industry, like it was the outfield you went to, right. There was the mm -hmm. handful of guys in the infield. Maybe it was Jeter and Garcia Parra and a rod at shortstop, but it was mostly the outfield where you went for the dynamic performers. And as you laid out pointedly there, that's not how it went this year. Not that we didn't have good performances out there too, of course. But uh, yeah, the, the infield was home to a bunch of greatness. It's pretty remarkable. Three of the top 10 were teammates too. Four um, of the top 10. Don't forget Teoscar Hernandez. Oh, sorry. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wait, we haven't seen that since like the Rockies heyday, have we? No, I'm four, they all had 100 RBIs. Um, they all, uh, you know, produced, what was the lowest home run total there? 29, 27, 28, 28. I mean, it was just wild for those guys. And yeah, I mean, to, to look at that level of performance and thank you for catching my, my slip up. Um, I didn't know Teoscar Hernandez was anywhere near the top 10 until I put this together. Yeah, he, he almost <laughs> hit 300 too, which yeah, I think I is the most remarkable. Yeah, I mean, the other numbers were, okay, we could, but he hit 35 points higher than you know most people were expecting. To think they did all that and they still finished nine games behind the race, that's mm. pretty remarkable. Shohei Atani, um, number four as a hitter. Uh, obviously, Ray, he was probably the biggest story in baseball. I mean, for a general, someone who doesn't really pay attention, we all heard about Shohei Itani. Um, fairly remarkable. I mean, I, we can sit here and nitpick things, but that's another guy who, unlike Vlad, he probably, he probably exceeded the hype, don't you think? Like oh, this, yeah. uh, th what we saw from Otani this year is a single season that, knowing he's a good player and all that stuff, I would have never predicted both sides of this in a single season like Otani did. So, you know, there, there were things I was correct on this year with Otani. There were many more things I was incorrect on with him. Just a, a fabulous, historic, maybe we'll never see it again kind of season for the guy. We do auctions that we see people bid 45, six, seven. We've even seen $50 at times and gone like, what are you doing like that? Well, he was a $50 player this year. Yeah. He had his hitting and his pitching together. And the, 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 the scary thing to think is if he really is this guy offensively, that truly is who he is, and he makes seven more starts next year than he did this year. I mean, think about that. You know, and, and we talked and joked that at the end of the season, somehow at the end of the year, when the innings were piling up and his body was supposedly worrying, they were throwing him seven innings every time he took the hill. Yeah. You know, if he can go out there next year and make 30 starts, 
I mean, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this. And I've already thought I, I was going to write this article. And I just didn't have time to do it. We can't have Otani be one player next year. It's a cheat code. It's like when we used to have Ladanian Tomlinson in fantasy football, and we had to go to third round reversal because Otani is the best player in fantasy. And really at this point in time, I don't know how it's close. Is that even in weekly leagues? If you were one player and you've got to decide hitter or pitcher, you can't take him number one in that. I think daily Correct. leagues are hundred percent right. If you can like pick and choose as he an right. outfielder or a pitcher this day right. in weekly, like, like he's still a first rounder in weekly leagues, but you can't call him number one overall in that kind of setup. Can you? I think that's fair. Yes. Yeah. But in the daily leagues, I mean, you can't, you just can't, yeah, you can't, he's, it, it's just an unfair, it's an absolutely unfair advantage. Again, akin to that, you know, the days of priest Holmes or Ladanian Thompson in fantasy football. Fernando Tatis jr. Ray 130 games. That's a lot less than these other players um, yeah. in terms of games played, but he finished sixth in baseball amongst hitters in fantasy production. We were wrong about Tatis, but we were right. Because again, like you said, he missed a month of games and we did say, and I specifically, we said, Hey, would you take trade turnover Tatis straight up? We said, yes. So technically we were right now. Tatis <laughs> was still in the top 10, but we were right. Um, yeah, I find it interesting. The reports have come out of San Diego after their, I'm going to say it. They're catastrophic failure this year based upon expectations. Catastrophic failure. The, you know, they won 79 games. Oh my gosh, compared to the Giants and Dodgers. Um, but Tatis is saying that he doesn't think he's going to do surgery and all that. And like, I mean, he's going to probably visit 14 specialists and they're going to try to figure this out. But the, the majority opinion from outsiders not looking at him particularly is that this needs surgery. And if it does need surgery, he needs to have surgery like next week. Like yeah. this can't be something where they talk about it and then, oh, you know, June, I mean, January 5th, he decides to have the surgery. So hopefully we'll get some clarification one way or the other. Uh, it'd be great to see him get it taken care of. Hopefully if he does, it works because he was dynamic this season. Bryce Harper just gets inside the top 10. Uh, he started to get some pub late, I think, in September as a possible NL MVP candidate. May even still win that award despite the Phillies uh, not really going anywhere again into October. And then, Ray, I got to point out Jose Ramirez. You know, you know, rinse, wash, repeat with, with Jose Ramirez, top five this year. And I feel like literally, I think we touched on him last week or maybe it was two weeks ago, but nobody talks about this guy. Like all season long, this is a top five fantasy hitter and – People just totally take it for granted with Jose Ramirez. Yeah, and I have a little bit of concern. Uh, and, and I said this when we talked about him previously. He didn't run much at the start of the year. And then by the end, he had 27 steals and it looks fine. But you start to worry about a guy stealing 30 bases. I mean, just think of Mike Trout, who we talked about earlier. You start to think, worrying about a guy, you know, hitting 30 steals as he approaches 30 years old. He's 29 right now. But beyond that, I also worry a little bit about the batting average. Because, you know, the last three, last four years, he has he's hit 270 or lower. So that's not ideal, especially in this era of it's not easy to find a 300 hitter as we get deeper into the drafts. But you can't overlook the fact that, like you said, every year he plays, every year he's productive, and he helps you in that steals and home run category, which is hard to find. So again, that top 10 in order, Vlad, Bichette, Trey Turner, Otani, Jose Ramirez, and Tatis, Simeon Perez, Hernandez, and Harper. That's your one through 10. Now as moved to the two spot, Ray, the hitting category leaders – I'm, again, looking at five-by-five five leagues. Again, we all have different setups, but uh, batting average, homers, uh, ribbies, runs scored, and stolen bases. Top three finishers in each category. Ray, on batting average, Trey Turner led all of baseball, 328. Uh, Yuri Gurriel came in at 319, Juan Soto at 313. Soto had a massive second half, by the way. He, he just missed out on this top 10 overall. Uh, had the injury as well, so he came up short there, but he had a big, big run. He's probably going to be a one, two, or three pick overall next season. The surprise in batting average, Ray, would be Gurriel, 319. Nobody saw that coming. They didn't. Uh, and for all the things that didn't go right in my Tout Wars team, Yuli Gurriel was one of the things that went right. Uh, that was a 12-team mixed league, and let me pull this up as we're talking here. I know I didn't draft him. I think I picked him up right at the start of the season. Let's see here. Uh, because it was someone had dropped them because something. Yeah, I picked him up on the, the 12th of April. Huh. So two weeks into the season. And Almost as good as a Cedric Mullins pickup. Uh, not, well, he didn't, not quite, but yeah, your point, <laughs> I mean, is totally valid. That, that he, he was a, it's an on-base percentage league, but still 383. Really good. It's, it's not the same as the average, but still, um, you know, not quite the power you would hope for for a corner infield guy, but you're nitpicking if you're saying it was a, a down year because, like you said, I mean, he was just really good. And, you know, this was a... Um, I use him as corner infield. This effort to me, I thought, I think Jeff Cirillo 
Like that's what it was. And it's, it's not a superstar effort by Yuli Gurriel by any means, but it was a damn good season. And it was one that no one was expecting from the 37 year old. Top three home run hitters. We've uh, already brought up all three of these guys. Vlad at 48. Sal Perez tied Vlad with 48 and became the uh, all-time single season home run leader for a catcher. No catchers ever hit more. And Otani at 46. Pulling away from these three guys, Ray, um, I think the final number was we had 43 hitters hit 30 home runs this season. Now, I don't know where that compares historically, uh, but it doesn't seem like crazy. Um, it's high versus 20 years ago, obviously, but that's where we were at. Um, a lot of guys, you know, just hitting 30 home runs, it doesn't make you a good player. Like Ahimeo Suarez, over 30, but didn't hit 200. I don't think anybody's excited about Miguel Sano, but he hit 30 home runs. Guys like Javi Baez and Kyle Schwarber and Mike Zanino, they also hit 30 home runs. So it's good to get that one category, but it doesn't often or doesn't always, I should say, mean you were a good fantasy player. Yeah, if you look at uh, the league's performance the last nine years, um, this year was the third most. Um, okay. So 2017 and 2019 were above. 2019, the last full season before this year, obviously. In that campaign, 67-76. Wow. This year, 59-44. So we had 800 less home runs this year. 800. Um, so... Yeah, that, it, there was less to go around. And as you've seen, the, the leagues, have, the teams, excuse me, have been more willing to accept flawed players, at least in the traditional sense, guys that strike out and don't produce base hits. If those flawed players have a 500 slugging percentage, if they have a 320 on base percentage. So a lot of the batting average numbers for those guys are down. All three of the uh, top RBI guys in baseball this year were out of the American League. And, and here he is again, Sal Perez led baseball <laughs> with 121 ribbies. Uh, pretty unexplainable. <laughs> he would have 100. It's not like Kansas City's even got a good offense and Perez has 121. Jose Abreu just does what Jose Abreu does. 117 RBIs for him. And then there's Teoscar Hernandez at 116. Uh, Ray, again, I, I don't, you know, Abreu probably would have been up there coming into the season. Um, Hernandez, not Perez, certainly not, but that's how it goes. Perez, Abreu, and Hernandez. Yeah, and just to hit on it one more time, since I shorted him, we were talking the top 10 players to Oscar Hernandez. He was like, what, two, three base hits from hitting 300. He went 296, 32, 116, 92, and stole 12 bases. So career best home run total, RBI total, run scored total, steal total, and batting average. Uh, just a tremendous season. Um, it, but I mean, 161 games for Salvador Perez might be the craziest number there, even more crazy <laughs> than the power numbers, Kyle. It's just insane to think that. Really now, when you're getting all those ribbies like you're like Teoscar Hernandez was, that means guys are scoring. And and what do you know? Uh, two of the top three guys in baseball. In fact, the top two guys in baseball for runs scored were his teammates, guys hitting ahead of him, guys he was driving in. Vlad's at 123, Bichette's at 121. And Ray, there's Freddie Freeman, got all the way up to 120 in a lineup without Ronald Acuna. And a lineup, really, that um, outside of Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley, they kind of ran hot and cold throughout the season. They did. And um, I don't know if hot and cold is the right way to describe what happened uh, at the start of the season with Freddie Freeman, but people were a little nervous with Freddie Freeman. Yeah, definitely. You know? Freddie Freeman hit 237 in April. He hit 233 in May. He was hitting 235 on June 1st. I mean, he had just a remarkable comeback, and there really shouldn't have been worry because he is as stable an offensive force as there is in the game. Uh, in the end, he was Freddie Freeman, and it was a hell of a season with those career-best run score total. And then there's the all-important stolen base leaderboard. Um, one, two, three here. Starling Marte with 47 steals. So nobody got the 50. I think that probably would have been expected coming into the year, but he got the 47. Whit Merrifield was at 40. Trey Turner down at 32. I say down at 32, Ray, because people say, hey, man, if Trey Turner plays X amount of games, he's going to get 50. Uh, yet again, he failed to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking a guy who finished as a top three or four stolen base guy, but it, it just speaks again to looking for stolen bases. I mean, this guy played 150 games. He led baseball in hits with 195. He got on base at a 375 clip, but still Trey Turner got us just the 32 stills. So he's really good at stealing bases, but we're not seeing anybody get the 50 anymore. I will not allow you to besmirch Trey Turner, who led baseball in batting average and was two home runs away from going 30-30. I will not I allow it, I, I, I'm only just – because we always heard with Turner, he'll steal 50. He didn't this year. He played a ton. 
But now, Ray, he's also reaching a point in his career where you're hoping for 30. Yeah, I mean, his season was remarkable. Again, he led the league in batting average. Damn near went 30-30. And like with all of everything going on, I don't think enough people are talking about that. Like there's so many other storylines, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I we would love to see 20 home runs and 45 steals. Like we'd rather see that than what he did, but we're nitpicking. Starling Marte, Ray. 47 steals at the age of 32. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> um, he'd had 47 one other year. He's kind of like, no one mentions him in the same breath as Trey Turner, but mm-hmm. Starling Marte is kind of that guy. I think he has more 40 stolen base seasons than Trey Turner. Now he's played more as well, but he's got three seasons of at least 40 steals, which is pretty damn remarkable. At six of 30. Yeah, which in this day and age is you know, huge. He had a remarkable season and... You know, some of it was under the rug a little bit because he got traded and the numbers got broken up. He dealt with some injury. He only played 120 games. I mean, he had 300 with 47 steals and 89 runs. If he plays, you know, the game totals we've been talking for these other guys, and he's hitting 300 with 110 runs and 50 steals, I mean, whew. And and that was legitimately the pace he had. And I think everyone was worried when he went to the athletics. You know, is he going to continue to run? Are they going to do that same old thing with him? He kept running. And uh, it was not a problem for him at all. He uh, stole, what, 25 bases in 56 games? He picked up his stolen base pace. Mentioned we had 43 guys hit at least 30 homers. We had six steal at least 30 bases. And, Ray, as usual, there were specialists here. Tommy Edmond got to 30. Miles Straw, who I know was a big point of contention in the preseason, uh, he got to 30. Jazz Chisholm, 23. Nicky Lopez, 22. Dylan Moore got 21. But again, a grand total of six guys reaching 30 steals. Yeah, and it's something that we've discussed a lot, and everyone will continue to discuss it. And I'll just say it this way, and I'll dive more into this, you know, for next year's baseball product at Fantasy Guru. And, you know, the idea of are we, are we missing the boat if we don't change? Um, and, you know, whether that's going to a, all of us going to points leagues like you've played in for years or changing the categories that we value, because the idea that, you know, Steals used to be easy to find. Now they're not. And a lot of the players in the steals column in particular are really blah offensive players. They're hitting four home runs. They're batting 246. You know, they're driving in 52. Like, they're not good offensive players. Should we be replacing the steals category or somehow augmenting it because they're getting more hard to find and we're still getting those specialists in the category that aren't good offensive players? That's your recap on hitting in 2021 let's move to the three hole in our starting nine and let's focus on pitching top 10 fantasy pitchers for 2021 and again this is based off the uh earnings featured over at rasball.com uh leading the way max scherzer 30 dollars and 90 cents followed by bueller walker bueller 28.50 liam Hendricks gets in here at three 26.9 then urias wheeler burns Cole, Robbie Ray in the top 10, Kevin Gaussman in the top 10. And remember, five by five league here, Adam Wainwright gets in the top 10, $21.30. Ray, I don't think there's much of a surprise with Scherzer and Bueller and Wheeler and Cole. You know, all these guys were expected to be here. But man, on the back end of that top 10, Robbie Ray, Kevin Gaussman, Adam Wainwright, uh, maybe one of those three got drafted back in March. Yeah, in the old fanball league I'm a part of, it's a keeper league. We hold five players, and it's round value. It's an old-school league, right? I got Robbie Ray in the 27th round. <laughs> oh, actually, I drafted him in the 28th round, he's going to be a 27th round guy next year because we move it up around. I mean, it's just, I mean, fantastic. And at that point of the draft, it was always advisable to take a shot on a guy like Ray because, you know, if he stays healthy, he gets you 200 strikeouts, right? And then it's, can we manage, you know, does he win 12, 14 games, and are the ratios okay? But to see him legitimately be in the Cy Young conversation. Remarkable. Like we, we had the hope that he would develop into this guy, but that was three years ago. We all moved past it. Cause it just, you know, so much, so much fidgeting around with his mechanics, so much lack of consistency, throwing strikes this year. You know what he did? He just threw strikes. He threw his fastball and his slider in the strike zone and said, hit it. And no one did. I wish he would have figured this out, you know, five years ago, instead of, you know, nibbling and all but he finally locked his mechanics in and boy, Kyle, did he have a hell of a season? Well, and, and the issue with him, Ray, as we look ahead to next year is he was so incredibly out of this world better than he'd ever been with that walk rate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of those things that 
sometimes can be fleeting. He had it all of this season. That's great. But who's to say what next year holds? It's I, I think that's, you know, with with Adam Wainwright, it's like, oh, he's old, doesn't strike out, guys. So that that's the knock on him. Kevin Galsman, it's like, OK, seriously, you know, this guy bounced around, never became this kind. Of, and then with Ray, it's, you know, Robbie Ray has always had the arm like he noted, Ray, but he's been all over the place with it. And and I wonder, I mean, I know he's probably going to be drafted as a top 10 starting pitcher next year, but. I, I don't feel great about the idea of him being a top 10 pitcher next year. Well, we don't know where he's going to end up, right? Because he's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but again, you know, this game, this game is really a lot simpler than it needs to be, or does it, do we make it out to be at times? And, and I've always said with Robbie Ray, like with Michael Pineda too, they're very similar in the sense they've got two really good pitches, but if they fall behind in the count, they become predictable because they can't throw one of the two pitches and then batters tee off. And if you look at Ray this year, like I said, he just threw the ball in the strike zone more. I mean, it's, it's not in, in, it worked his, his first pitch strike rate was a career best. The amount of pitches he threw in the strike zone was higher than it had been in four years. And look what happened. The amount of pitches that batters swung at this year was 52%. The number was 44% coming into the season. They just, they swung at everything. Why do they swing at everything? Cause they, he was throwing strikes. This percentage of swings inside the strike zone that was normally 62% was 75 so he threw the ball in the strike zone and people had to swing because it wasn't 1-0. It wasn't 2-1 every at bat. They had to start swinging. That plays into his skill set. Is that sustainable? Well, <laughs> that's a great question, especially for a guy who, let's not forget, last season changed his pitching motion 14 times. He changed it <laughs> almost every time he took the hill, whether it was his stride or his hand, hand placement before the pitch or his arm motion through the, I mean, I, I you got to draft the talent, but as we're sitting here right now with the way that he's going to be drafted next year, I'm going to be reluctant, Kyle. Finished eighth uh, in the top 10 amongst pitchers. Scherzer won. We talked about him a few weeks back, gave him a lot of love there. Ray Walker Bueller kind of emerged and became the dude, didn't he? Um, and Julio Urias, both mm -hmm. those uh, younger pitchers for the Dodgers really shine this year. Urias actually led baseball in victories at 20. Yeah, Bueller, I think, was on this path and everyone knew it and just said, hey, stay healthy and it happens. And it did. Urias, we've been waiting and, and we all knew that he had this talent, right? I mean, people forget, I think, because he's been around forever. He's barely 25. He's This is six year in the big leagues. He's barely 25 years old. The problem was the Dodgers babied him like nobody's business. They relieved him. They started him. They pulled him with outings when he threw 70 pit. Like they babied the crap out of him. And it's like, at some point, I don't care how young a guy is. You just got to let him go. Like, and they did. And the results were tremendous. The record of 20 and three, obviously is not repeatable. We all know that at this point, but the overall numbers for his game were extremely impressive. And while he didn't pull a Ray, right. He did drastically improve his walk rate. And if he stays where he was this season, success is going to follow. Nice jumps for Zach Wheeler and Corbin Burns. Uh, Wheeler finishing, what, fifth and Burns sixth. Who would you prefer going into next year, Ray? Ooh. Burns. Okay. Yeah, that's, but that's a, yeah, a toss-up. <laughs> yeah, it is because I had Wheeler in a lot of leagues. Yeah. So I think we all go back to the guy we, we, we rode the, the year previous. I'd probably be a Wheeler guy. <laughs> Wheeler, I think there's a little bit more stability there. And I could, I mean, again, no one, no one's throwing 185 innings anymore. So if you wanted to go that route, because the uncertainty with Burns holding up, I wouldn't disagree with you. So there's your top 10. Again, the rundown, uh, Scherzer, Bueller, Hendricks, Urias, Wheeler, Burns, Cole, Ray, Gaussman, Wainwright. In the four spot, the pitching category leaders, looking at the five by five categories, you mentioned wins, Urias with 20. Adam Wainwright, Ray had 17, second most in baseball, Bueller and Garrett Cole, both at 16. Uh, Wainwright just kept doing it. And, you know, Scherzer was a monster in the second half. I don't want to call Well, <laughs> Wainwright was not monstrous because he still didn't get the K's, but man, what an asset. It was pretty remarkable to see in an era where all it is, is velocity and youth and giant strikeout totals. It was good to see a guy that literally was pulled out of 1960 and, and thrown into the game in 2021. And the really interesting thing amongst all the interesting things with him is, you know, he's 40 years old now. He signed the contract extension with the Cardinals, all of that, is that from 2016 to 2019, it, it was done, right? He wasn't even league average. He was just holding on. He was eating innings. He was the guy at the end of the rotation, fine. And then in 2020, he was really good. And you say to yourself, well, he made 10 starts. You know, he's approaching 40. This is just no way. 
he was the same guy this year that he was last year. And yeah, hats off because from a statistical model of what we're targeting doesn't fit at all, at all. Any age strikeout, none of this stuff fits, but he knows how to pitch. And it's kind of what Zach Granke is doing. He's a couple, Granke's getting up there too in age. It's the same kind of thing. If you know how to change speeds and sight lines and you can locate your pitches, you can still have success in Major League Baseball. Doesn't get the K's when you talk about Adam Wainwright. The guys who got the K's, Robbie Ray finished one strikeout ahead of Zach Wheeler, 248 for Ray, 247 for Wheeler, and then Garrett Cole's at 243. And Ray, I own Garrett Cole in a couple of leagues, and I got to say... <laughs> He was actually more frustrating this year than, than I feel like you look at these numbers and you'll see Garrett Cole over the place. And he was a top 10 pitcher overall. There, there was a bit of a wearing, if you will, of the tread with Garrett Cole. But I guess you can say, man, if that's a weak season for Garrett Cole, sign me up. Like, and again, I owned him and he was fine, but I guess I just held him to a higher standard. He still ended up though as a very good pitcher compared to his contemporaries. Absolutely. Uh, I think it was, you always get the, the bad taste in your mouth too. I mean, he, he allowed what 15 runs his last 18 innings. That sucks. And he also had that game after the all-star break against Tampa where he gave up set, you know, eight runs, seven of them earned. So there were some beatdowns, like legitimate beatdowns that he suffered in the second half of the season. And that's just not something we're used to seeing. I think part of that too, and I'm guessing here, Kyle, but I'll, I will push it out on you. Um, when he was asked about the sticky stuff and he looked at the camera and was like, and didn't know what to say, admitting that he'd been doing it. And then his performance after tanked, you know, until he realized, Hey, I throw 97 miles an hour. I can still succeed here. I don't need, you know, spider tack. Uh, I think that that probably played part into this too, because he was, um, he looked like a moron on camera. He got caught on camera. He had no excuse on camera. And there were some beatdowns. ERA and whip, we had Corbin Burns 243, Scherzer 246, Bueller 247. So nip and tuck there. On the whip side, Scherzer 0.86, Burns 0.94. And then Brandon Woodruff shows up here, Ray, at 0.96. And that was one of the major storylines this year, the Brewers, and that one, two, three. Um, probably, well, not probably, it is the best one, two, three in baseball. And looking at Burns, looking at Woodruff and Peralta, I mean, all three of those guys, whether it's deserved or not, I would bet. Don't you think they're going to be top? Well, I was going to say 15, maybe 20 starting pitchers next season, at least on draft day. I think that they're all going top 20 and they could be top 15. I think Peralta is yeah. obviously the one that people are going to pull back a little bit on, but is that fair? I mean, dude had 195 strikeouts and 144 innings. His whip was 0.97 and he was the loser of the group. Like, yeah. <laughs> like right? Like, so, I mean, I've always had the, the concern about Peralta because of uh, his size and because he was really a two pitch pitcher. Uh, he much like Robbie Ray this year did the same thing. and just said, look, my, my two pitches are so good. I'm just doing it, you know, and then I'll sprinkle in a change and a curveball, whatever, but I'm just, I'm throwing my slider in the strike zone instead of, you know, trying to get guys to chase it all the time. Cause his slider is hellacious. And um, if he can stay healthy, then that's the question we have with so many of these guys. If he can stay healthy, we saw what he can do this season. He can be dominant. And then finally, let's give you the one, two, three at the uh, fifth, uh, fifth category. The one that Ray wants to forever eliminate saves. Uh, Mark Melanson, just as everyone predicted, uh, led baseball in saves with 39. Hendricks was at 38. Kinley Jansen, bit of a rebound season at 38. What's notable here, Ray, is that for the first time since 1982, we did not have a reliever get the 40 saves in all of baseball. Yeah. And, you know, this is not just racing. You know, saves suck. That's data right there that says saves suck. And the reason that it's and we're not getting fewer saves, we're just getting more guys getting the saves. And so it becomes a, a morass of, you know, and you know how this goes. It becomes a morass of chasing guys. Like you said, Mark Melanson, uh, I feel good about telling the crew over at Fantasy Guru before the season began that he's the guy you want when everyone was going Pomeranz or Pagan. But 39 saves, like I would, if he had 19 saves, I would have thought, oh, pretty damn good, right? 39 leading baseball, come on. So stuff like that's out of the norm. We had guys that, you know, Craig Kimbrell getting traded, I think should be the push everyone needs if they didn't already need one. Like the dude was one of the three best relievers in baseball. He got traded into a setup role. Like that's really how you want to play this game. Um, it was a rough season for the elite guys in some respects. And some guys, uh, Kyle, Kyle, Liam Hendricks, by the way, I mean, Liam Hendricks and, and 
Raziel Iglesias, go look at their strikeout to walk numbers, folks. Just remarkable. Yeah, Iglesias, nobody talked about that season, but it was a powerhouse year uh, with the Angels. So that is the best of the best from pitching. We gave you a hitting, of course, earlier. So go to the five hole, Ray. Um, Some of the biggest misses on draft day as we look back. And I tried to keep it to, you know, a top 50 ADP. I tried to keep it to guys who are mostly non-injured. And, you know, you look at some of these players and I don't think they're well, there are surprises here in the fact that we wouldn't have expected them on this list seven months ago. Uh, but if you've watched the season, if you followed the season, it's no surprise. We're talking about names like Yelich, uh, Bellinger, Lindor, uh, LeMahieu, Blake Snell, you Darvish, Aaron Nola, even Luis Castillo. I, I, Ray, I know Luis Castillo was better, but still the overall numbers really didn't catch up. His start was so brutally bad that it was really difficult for him to ever catch up in the fantasy game. Yeah, and we talked about him a lot. And in that uh, that fanball keeper league, by the way, I made a trade for Castillo uh, right before he started turning things around. So I'll get to keep him one year next year in the 11th round. I feel great about that. Um, but his his remarkable turnaround, we discussed on the podcast, and I wrote about repeatedly at Fantasy Guru. It's like, I expect him to be better, blah, blah, blah. But can he really turn this thing around? Because his history says you don't. When you start out as badly as he did, history just says it's done. And he turned it around. I mean, it was remarkable. He turned it completely around. The reason he didn't finish higher, because he pitched pretty much like Luis Castillo for about four months, is obviously he went eight and 16. Yeah. I mean, if, if he'd gone 14 and seven or something like that, you know, his, his ranking would have changed dramatically. Uh, missed his expectations by a mile. But anyone that kept the faith or anyone that made a trade for him um, got pretty good results in the end. I, you know, I look at these guys, Ray, and like Yelich, I'm not buying a rebound. Bellinger, I'm not buying a rebound. I haven't been a Darvish guy for a few years, so it's easy for me to bail on him. LeMayhew, I think everybody's going to find it easy to, to not really buy a rebound there. Uh, Blake Snell, I'm not a Blake Snell guy, never have been. So, you know, this year, the, the two I struggle with, Ray, Lindor and Nola. And Lindor is the big one because, Ray, there, there were no signs of Francisco being anything but a superstar entering this season. But that first year in New York was – it's not a disaster, but that first year was a giant letdown for a Lindor owner. Yeah, he was much better late, but still pathetic given the expectations. And, you know, he wasn't very good in 2020. And a lot of us obviously thought that, that it was contract related slash COVID related. And, you know, you kind of give a guy like Lindor a pass when he's so dynamic before then, but we do have him, you know, in 185 games here, basically average, like, you know, I mean, it's, so I got to do some digging in the off season here and try to really pin down, you know, the explanations here, if there were, there were any, because, you know, you look at his hard hit rate, it was a career best. You look at his barrel rate, it was the second best ever. You look at his exit velocity, it was the second best ever. You look at his launch angle, same as the last four years. Like, there's a lot of, we're just who we are under the surface. But again, a year and a half of him not performing has me concerned. Well, in that position at shortstop is so utterly deep, and it's going to be deep next year. Ray, there may be a lot of people wait at shortstop and say, I'm going to take Lindor and, and count on a rebound. I'll get him as the 10th shortstop off the board. And, and I may take a shot in that aspect, right? Like I still have some faith in him. He's just 28. I mean, it's, it's not like he's 32 and, and doing this. The other thing to bring up is, you know, his on base percentage was down, but it wasn't dramatically down. It was still 322. You know, his career is 340. Um, his slugging percentage was dramatically down. Now, why do I bring all this up? Walks and singles is kind of what he did more of this year, but Ray, he didn't steal more. Yeah. So like these years where he was slamming the baseball around the park and getting on base at a similar clip, he had a lot more stolen bases uh, this year. He, he barely got the double digits. So we'll have to follow that too. As he nears his thirties. Yeah. His speed score was the same. It was only a 10th off of normal. So on the surface, it would appear that speed wise, there wasn't much of a drop off, but your point is completely valid. It's like, what, what happened here? You know, his on base percentage drops 15 points and he, he loses half his steals. That doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on here. And, and uh, like we've talked about with the multiple players here, as you start to age a little bit, the steals are usually the first thing to go. What about Nola? Ray, I, I yeah. like Nola a lot. He still mm-hmm. threw 180 innings, yep. but they really were kind of blah. But I say blah. They, they weren't. He was 9-9. Nine and nine. His right. ERA was bad. His whip was fine. Right. His K rate was fine. There, there's still a lot to like with Nola. He's probably going to be one of your guys next year, Ray. Yep. 
then I bet you're going to say, oh, I got no problem taking him as my SP1. Like this year, it was Barrios. You, you took him in a lot of spots as your SP1. I bet you're going to be saying that about Nola next year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Nola, um, the strikeout rate was the second best mark of his career. The walk rate was the best mark of his career. His whip was better than his career mark. It was 1.13. Like these are all some pretty good numbers here, right? The hard hit rate was lower than it had been in three years. So it's not like guys were squaring him up all the time. His expected ERA was 3.39. His Sierra was 3.26. His XFIP was 3.37. So about the only thing that really stands out to me, and I'll, again, do some more diving over the offseason and, and get it all squared away for next year for Fantasy Guru. About the only thing that really stands out to me as a negative is the ground ball rate. Because the ground ball rate has always been right about 50%. This year was 41. So I'll dive in and try to figure out what happened there and all that. But again, Sierra, XFIP, expected ERA, all of those numbers strongly suggest his ERA should have been at least a run lower than it was. In the win total, we know how that goes. I know part of this was crappy defense behind him. That is something the Phillies need to change. Oh, they're brutal. And, and the, the bullpen. I, I cannot I remember talking about that Phillies team. It's like, oh, they can't be worse than last year. They were. Well, <laughs> it's, his, the average, league average left on base percentage is around 70, 71% usually. The career mark for Nola is 74%. This year it was 67. His bullpen trashed him. And that's one of the reasons why his ERA is so much higher than the other indicators suggest. Who would you rather have in a draft rate next year, Castillo or Nola? Great question. Um, And we should know Castillo could be traded this offseason. I think there's a possibility that would get him out of Cincinnati. I'm going to say Nola. But if those guys are my one and two, as we sit here today, I'm feeling pretty damn good. Yeah, and then Wainwright as your three. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or as your eight. He'll be your eight. You'll still get him there. Uh, let's go to the sixth hole in our starting nine. Lessons learned. Even for an old codger like Ray, I'm sure there are lessons learned in a year like 2021. I think we can both agree, Ray, one of the lessons we learned is bring back actual doubleheaders. Hmm. Can we stop it with the seven inning? And I don't know if that's going to change, but I still don't like it. <laughs> well, we talked earlier about uh, you know, the lack of this and the lack of that, home runs being down and stuff. I mean, when teams are giving up 50 innings, well, yeah, they're going to hit fewer home runs. I mean, it's yeah. just one of those. So, yeah, the, 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 the seven-inning game is a disaster. It's an abomination. Uh, it's horrible. We've, I've said it so many times here. I don't understand how the, the world didn't riot. Like, the, easiest <laughs> th- the easiest thing I said is football games don't go three quarters. Like, I just don't understand how people accepted this. Well, one lesson I learned, and I shouldn't say I learned, I kind of expected to learn this lesson, but it was driven home this year is in our day and age, Ray, um, streaming is just becoming more important because we got rotations in flux. We got guys hitting the IL. COVID didn't help this year. You don't have guys going deep. Um, you know, half a dozen teams quit mm-hmm. come July. And so you're almost forced to stream, but it's not like it's easy to stream. Right. I mean, there, there were some pitchers and, and we were all there. We all took a shot on guys and they just sucked. You know, the, the Alec Mills of the world. I, I remember two weeks ago, I'm streaming Mitch Keller against the Cubs. I know he sucks, but the Cubs, what the hell are they going to do? They destroyed Mitch Keller. And, and so, right, you're going to have to stream. But let's be honest, streaming is a brutal way to live. It is. And I mean, just think of that labor league that we talked about earlier, you know, uh, Taylor Hearn, Drew Rasmussen, Antonio Senzatella. These were guys that I was leaning on down the stretch. And that wasn't just streaming. That was leaning on. They were making multiple starts week after week. It wasn't just one outing. Um, The streaming game sounds great on the surface, but it's not easy. And I guess that's why some people do spend such early round selections on pitching on draft day because they're worried about that. But with the propensity of injuries and the, the volume of injuries at the pitcher position, at some point, everyone's basically forced into doing it. I want to tell you another lesson I think I've learned, Ray, is, um, and, and you may just get your diatribe ready now so you can return to it all of March and into April. Okay. People are still going to go crazy for Alberto Mondesi, Ray. Oh, I know. Did, did you see, the dude played 35 games this yep. year. He still finished with 15 steals. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you just wait, Ray. Next year, people are going to think they got the, the player of the century in like the seventh round because Mondesi is going to go for 75 steals next season. People will, will not quit Alberto Mondesi. I know that. He got on base 37 times, 38 times, and he stole 15 bases. It's absurd. <laughs> that, that's a guy trying to just get his stats. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he was the same horrendous 
player that he always is. He's an, and again, I've talked about this. Like you said, I wrote about it in the preseason and I'll, I'll do it quickly here. He's a horrendous offensive player. He's horrendous. He can hit on run and steal base. And he is the prime example of why we need to reassess how we score players in fantasy game. Cause he is an awful offensive player. Not only is he an awful offensive player, his own team has admitted he can't play every day. They already, they finally admitted it after 10 years. They know he can't. And a very interesting third point. I don't know how many people notice this because again, there's so much going on. If you use 10 game at, at a position to qualify, you're okay. But if it's 15 or 20, he's only going to qualify at third base next year. He only played 11 games at shortstop hmm. this season. Hmm. Interesting. Another lesson I learned, Ray, is if you see a relief pitcher, and relief pitchers are becoming more important, especially in leagues where like, you have to have three, and, and some leagues are still like that. But, Ray, if you see a relief pitcher start doing it, just grab them, take a shot. Like, you know, Luke Jackson – uh, was pretty good this year. I, I use Taylor Rogers in a lot mm-hmm. of leagues. Um, Giovanni Gallegos, you know, he, he, he showed some signs, so you should just pick him up. Andrew Chafin, uh, Garrett Whitlock in Boston. You know, not to say these guys have any staying power for next season. Like, I don't know where I would draft them. But I think going into next year when it's April and May and you see guys come out and all of a sudden they're pitching in the seventh inning and they're throwing flames and they're getting strikeouts, some of them fail. Absolutely. But it's like, you got to be pretty active with those guys early and they can make a big difference if you find the right one. Yeah. And, and let's just be honest about this too, that it's not just, you know, it's not just the names you mentioned, it's many others. And it, oh, it's, yeah. it oftentimes goes deeper than that. And I think of the, the prime example that I, that I come to is the blue Jays, right? It was Ken Giles. And then he, then, you know, that didn't work out. Then, it, then Julian Merriweather went out and was throwing hundred miles an hour in the first week of the season. Everyone had to have him. Oh, he crapped out. He only threw 12 innings this season. Then it was Rafael Dolis, and then he crapped out. And now let's give it Jordan Romano a chance. Jordan Romano ends up getting 23 saves and blowing one save all season. Well, and there was a trade for Brad Hand in there too, right? right? Don't forget that. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's like, so, you know, Romano was like the fourth option for his team, and he went 23 for 24 in saves. So, again, that's another reason that saves suck and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's being proactive helps because we know that even when a guy steps forward he's likely going to flame out or get hurt at some point anyway and there'll be another guy just a conveyor belt any lesson you want to throw out there anything that stands out to you that you maybe uh, were reminded about or even learned this year yeah don't ever bench joey gallo even for a week um <laughs> no i think our, that, our let go of uh lorda scorial yeah right <laughs> yeah right that too um i think that what stands out to me and the lesson learned, and I, I try to apply it. I've, I've gone through my lineup with labor here at the end is you just got to manage this long-term. It's, it's oh, yeah. you know, it's not the, the lesson is, and, and I'll just say it succinctly. If you're not going to be paying attention in September because you're playing fantasy football, it's not, you're not winning fantasy baseball anymore. Like 20 years ago, you could do that. Now no one plays games. No one throws innings. We were just talking about streaming pitchers. We're talking about player movement in the bullpen all you have to be committed to playing through the end of the season. If not, your chances of winning are very small. Let's move to the seven spot, Ray. Projecting round one in 2022. We talked about the heroes of 2021. Um, oftentimes, those guys just carry over to 2022. You know, we kind of, I don't want to say we get lazy. We just say, oh, well, this guy was great last year. I'll draft him to be great this year. And uh, you sent me a link, Todd Zola, our friend uh, with the NFBC and a variety of other spots. Um, I guess they just had their first NFBC draft yesterday after the season (laughs) and they do 15 teams there. And there usually is a little bit more of an emphasis on pitching in those leagues, but Ray, at least uh, according to Todd, this was the one through 15 for the first round Scherzer at number one, then Tatis, Trey Turner, Bueller at four, Vlad at five, Otani, Soto, Bichette, Jose Ramirez, nine, Mookie Betts, 10, then Corbin Burns, Bryce Harper, Garrett Cole, Kyle Tucker at number 14 overall, and then Ronald Acuna at 15. Acuna, Ray, man, that's going to be really difficult for a lot of people because I I would suspect he's not going to be back at all in April. Um, May's got to be questionable. It's tough to draft a guy in round. I know he's awesome, and he may would, if he were healthy, Ray, maybe Acuna's number one overall, but if April and May are question marks, can you really draft a guy in the first round? No. I mean, I could go into – no, you can't. And, you know, you look at this list, it's, it's a fascinating list, and it's one draft. Okay. Acuna at 15, I think, is a mistake where we are today. Scherzer at one is laughably awful. 
Um, <laughs> just horrible. We just talked about Tatis. We don't know if he's going to have shoulder surgery or not. You're taking him at two overall. Okay, I get it, right? You're playing for the win, but okay, right? Um, you know, we Mookie Betts at 10. Okay, you know, he had a down season. Is he going to rebound? Like we mentioned with, with Garrett Cole, he really sucked down the stretch. He wasn't very good in the second half. Like there's, this is a lot of questions and it's a, it's a draft right now and it's one draft. And, but there are a lot of question marks when you look at the way you just the players, even if you jumble the names differently in a different order, right? There's a lot of question marks with these guys that were taking the top. How many of these guys do you feel great about, Kyle? Half of them? Yeah. It's interesting. And the steal here is Soto at three or seven, excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Juan Soto at seven. That I think, he, and, and again, I know, hey, he doesn't steal, but who cares? It's like he's got to be one or two, I think. Yeah. Just to be clear, Juan Soto is Barry Bonds, but he's Barry Bonds 12 years earlier than Barry Bonds became Barry Bonds. <laughs> he's 22 years old. And he started out slowly, too, so he just missed some major milestones, 29 home runs, 95 RBIs. But he hit 300 with a 465 on-base percentage and a 534 slugging percentage. You could add two years of on-base percentage of Alberto Mondesi. No, you can't. But it's pretty close <laughs> for the on-base percentage. I mean, Juan Soto is a dynamic, special, Hall of Fame-bound talent if he stays healthy. I am shocked because, again, he'll be 23 on opening day last next year. And that's the guy that people usually overdraft. I'm shocked yeah. he fell that far. Uh, no Trout here. Uh, no Freeman either in this first 15. Freeman, I mean, he doesn't run and he's getting a little older. And there is uncertainty where he signs. So, I, you know, you can make the, the case. Trout, I mean, I'm going to bet Trout ends up in the top 15 if he shows up next year and he's playing. You know, if he's healthy in spring, I bet he's in the top 15. But as we've discussed, you know, he, he doesn't play I mean, flat out. The last five years, he's been out of the lineup way too much. Uh, he used to come, he came into the season averaging missing a month of games this year was you know, half the season. You know, he was supposed to miss eight weeks. He missed 17 with, an, with a calf issue. So I get why he fell out. Um, how about the fact that Starling Marte is not here? That no. pretty well tells you that nobody cares about his 47. Believe me, if... <laughs> If uh, Whit Merrifield had 57 saves, he'd probably be in the first round, but Starling Marte is not here. And, and the name that is here, Ray, that may catch people off guard, Kyle Tucker. Mm. Quietly good this year. Is mm -hmm. he worthy of a first round pick next year? Well, if you project out some growth and he's 24 years old and comes with a pedigree, right? If you project out some growth in the steals column, which I don't think is crazy, you know, I mean, he went 30 home runs and 14 steals. The issue I have is, is he likely to steal 25 bases next year? And I think that's questionable. But the bigger concern is, is he going to hit 294 again? I see him as being more of a Jose Ramirez batting average type of guy. I think he's more 270. I think he's more of a Bryce Harper kind of batting average guy, if you will. Um, I could understand people, again, pushing him a little bit because of the speed, but he only stole five more bases than Juan Soto. Something to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the only other two names I'd throw in here is, um, you know, if you're not going to take pitching in the first round, I think three or four went in this one. Um, I would throw out the two Boston guys, Ray, Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts as possibilities for the back end of the first round. Yeah. Bogarts. I, I almost get the feeling that Bogarts is, is just so good and so consistent that people just kind of overlook him a little bit. Cause it's not his numbers fall behind the top tier of guys, even though they're always there, you know, he's just so good. Devers. I think that's a more likely one. Um, I mean, Devers' name for his age and his, I mean, they're, they're mentioning him in the record books with Ted Williams with the Red Sox. I mean, he's doing some special things here and um, dude can hit. I don't know about his defense. That's still, a, you know, still a work in progress there, but his bat is legit. Just uh, three or four short months away from everybody else doing drafts. Um, now there will be drafts throughout November. If you go over to the NFBC, you can be a part of these leagues. Uh, they don't stop <laughs> drafting baseball. Like I said, they've already had their first one for 2022. Uh, Ray, let's move to the eight spot in the uh, batting order. It's time for uh, one of our yearly features that I've really enjoyed. Um, has nothing to do with the end of the season. Um, it's it's our random reference. Um, so we go over to baseballreference.com and we just kind of see what pops up, if you will. Click the random pages and... See what we get. And what we get here is September 11th of 2003, a ball game between the Phillies and the Braves. Uh, both teams are pretty good back here. Uh, Phillies win that game 8-3 to at Turner Field. Pitching matchup back in 03 would have been Brett Myers going for the Phillies against Greg Maddox for the Braves. Uh, Maddox got hammered in this game, Ray. Three and two-thirds innings, 12 hits, and seven earned runs. I wonder how many times Greg Maddox has had an outing like that. It can't be more than 
three or four, I bet. Yeah, I have to look that up, but that, that just don't, don't that just don't happen, as they say, as the kids say these days, Kyle. Yeah, Greg Maddoxon, we got all the uh, Max Fried stuff in the second half about throwing a Maddox, you know, complete game under 100 pitches and all that. Um, Maddox usually found a way to be effective, even if he didn't have his greatest stuff or location on the day. I'm looking at uh, some of these names here, and there's a lot of recognizable names from the early 2000s, and one of them is Mike Lieberthal, Ray. And in this 2000, he was a catcher for the Phillies, for those who didn't know. This 2003 season, Ray, is uh, <laughs> pretty extraordinary. A catcher with an 825 OPS, a 313 average, and the dude drove in 81 runs for the Phillies that season. Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, when you talk about a player performing like a catcher one when the expectation really wasn't the, yeah, right? And he, you know, he had some previous years. He had 30 home runs one year. I don't know. Mike Lieberthal had 30 home runs and batted 300, by the way, in 1999. So uh, there was a period in time where people were jazzed about him. He, he never lived up to that level of expectation again, but a pretty good offensive player for about a decade behind the dish. And one other note from this box score, I see that Julio Franco pinch hit played first base. Uh, he was 44. Was he? In 2003. And you might be thinking, oh, that had to be his last season. You're wrong. He played in 2004, 2005. 2006 <laughs> and even played in 2007 ray at the ripe old age of 48 years old and there are some rumors that he's even older than that like <laughs> there are you know so he, he played in the mexican league in 2008 too so he gave it one more go but um there's a video i saw this year of him in the batting cage still hitting you know like, like the pirates need to sign him right it, who was it was it mini minosa yeah, who mm -hmm. always yep showed up with the white socks yep. and sign him for it. That, that needs to be Julio Franco. The pirates need to get, or the Rangers, you know, he's a former Ranger. Uh -huh. they, they need to do this with Franco. Let him play in like six, seven decades. Yeah. Why not? I mean, and, and he had that for those people that don't remember him. Cause he's an older guy. Like some of the younger folks may not go check out some video of him hitting the he very distinctive kind of knees together, the hands held high pointing the bat, the, the, the knob of the, the, the barrel of the bat at the pitcher, you know, he had that long looping kind of swing. Uh, very good and effective offensive player who at the start of his career uh, used to steal bases to his th multiple 30 steal 300 hitter kind of guy. Yeah, he actually hit 341 one season. That was 1991, a 341 average. Okay, Ray, number nine stamp of approval uh, for the final time, at least in the regular season uh, here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. What do you have? I know you're going to be mad at me, Kyle, for this. I would never get upset with you, Ray. You're going to be disappointed in me. Oh, gosh. You, you don't like me as a host? You want somebody else? Yeah, after 13 years, I'm moving on. No. Um, my stamp of approval goes to puppy parties. I'm doing it. Ugh, yeah. I am disappointed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you do another one? Yeah, we did another one on the weekend. You're gonna, are you going to throw one for your puppy? We threw a puppy party, yes. Oh, you threw a puppy party. We threw party. a puppy party. You're right. Okay, this has been the end of the Baseball Elite Podcast. I've had, no, no. So you're throwing puppy parties. We now, threw a right? puppy party. It was Ollie's first birthday, and we had the puppy party at the park. And I will, I'll stick a photo on the the the, the, the site so everyone can see it with his puppy friends, Kyle, having all kinds of fun. We're eating his puppy cake with his puppy. It was a lot of fun. I know you think it's stupid. I would have thought it was stupid a year ago, but it went pretty well. <sighs> I give a thumbs down to puppy parties yeah. this year. If anything else, if you walk away from a whole year of the Baseball Elite podcast with no other thought except Kyle does not like puppy parties. Remember that. Okay? Huh? That's how yeah. it's going to be. Uh, my stamp of approval is, is really, I've, I've enjoyed the hell out of this, Ray, this podcast. And, you know, you and I have been working for well over a decade, but we haven't really had a format like this where every week we get together and do nothing but baseball, no commercials, no calls, no nothing about that. Just two guys talking baseball and hopefully helping people with their fantasy uh, skill set. Um, and it's been a ton of fun. Now, now we're not totally done. We're, we're going to jump on from time to time, I think, during the offseason, free agency and when moves happen and things like that. But uh, Ray, being here every Monday, being here every week has been a blast. Uh, kind of uh, rekindled a lot of my joy for fantasy baseball going through an entire season. And you, as always, Mr. Expert Extraordinaire, there's not a better voice or analyst in the game, but uh, it was a great time this year. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you saying that, Kyle. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, a little early for me. We work late on Sundays and, you know, up at seven in the morning on a Monday for work, but uh, it was well worth it. The experience was a positive one, and it's always fun to 
to get to talk to without being interrupted. We're so used to, you know, talking 15 minutes and having a commercial break. It's nice to just talk for an hour. Well, except for me interrupting you. I, I like oh, to well, that. I'm used to that. Funny. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that does take us to the uh, finale. Now, as I noted, you know, we, we've been coming at you every Monday. That will alter just a bit here in the offseason as we'll kind of uh, pick and choose our moments, I think, over the coming months. But if you subscribe to us, you know, it, it'll pop up into your uh, podcast area. And so you'll know that we've got a new one out. And I would guess, Ray, over at fantasyguru.com, anytime one pops up, uh, it'll go up in the MLB section so mm-hmm. people can still hunt us down. But mm-hmm. uh, you will still be busy, like you noted, over the coming months, won't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'll still be putting content out. Um, I'm not going to go cold turkey. We'll still float some things out. Um, as I noted, I've, I've got the plan in place, I think, for 2022. And I feel pretty good about it, honestly. It's going to change some things up, removing some things that uh, didn't quite work, adding some things that we didn't discuss fully this year, going in a different direction with the look and all that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the fantasy baseball product in 2022 at Fantasy Guru. Uh, but there's still stuff to do right now. And so, yeah, keep checking the site. We don't, we're not going to go dark. We're not one of those companies. Not going to go dark. That is absolutely true. Um, we will be staying busy, uh, not only at Fantasy Guru, Elite Fantasy, Sirius XM, uh, but we will be staying busy right here. So uh, keep it tuned, keep it subscribed, and uh, we will keep you entertained and keep you up to date on everything you need to know for fantasy baseball in 2022. Yes, we're always looking forward. Amazing. 2022, Ray. Ugh. I know. We're getting old. Feels like the future, doesn't it? Uh, we will see you soon. Hope you've had a great time in uh, the summer and now fall of 2021 with us. Um, I would suspect regular Baseball Elite podcast will probably be firing up in February, soon after the football season is over. So uh, tell your friends about it. Make sure you you keep your little secret if you want, and you can win your leagues because of what Ray tells you. Uh, Ray, that'll do it. Thank you again, and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Looking forward to it as always, pal. It is the Baseball Elite podcast, courtesy of fantasyguru.com. Mm-hmm.